Hey y'all, welcome back to the Tribe Podcast. I am really excited because as we continue our Women of God series, I have one of my all-time favorite people here with me today. Cassia is a friend of mine that I met over five years ago, and in that five years, we have done a lot of life together. My husband actually knew her first through a group at our church, but as soon as her and I met, it was an instant connection. There was just no mistaking that God brought us together for a purpose. Okay, so you've heard me talk about my friends within my tribe that I've done like a season or two with, but Cassia is one of the few friends that has been running towards heaven with me for so many seasons that really doing life with her family is like an extension of our own. I truly believe that when you do life in a vulnerable and an intimate way with your friends, the line between friends and family is blurred because good, faithful, Jesus-loving friends are the family that God chooses for us. And that's how we feel about Cassia and her family. So with that being said, Cassia, welcome to the Tri Podcast. I am so glad that you're here. I am so happy to be here. I could not have said that any better. It's so powerful. Um, thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to share my story. Um, I just wanted to say Revelation twelve eleven. we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Mm-hmm. And I'm praying for all the people hearing the testimony today. So good. I love that. Okay. So today's story is a story of redemption. It is the faithfulness of God caring for his children in a really profound way. I'm going to turn it over to Cassia to share a little bit of her childhood story with us. Cassia, talk about your life growing up. Okay, so I was actually born and raised in Florida. Um, Mom, dad, older brother. Um, Typical Florida family. You could find my brother and I barefoot outside. Um, I wanted to do everything he did. So we were rollerblading, playing with WWE wrestling toys, uh, (laughs) baseball. Uh, I was a tomboy for sure. Um, We had what I would call um, a lukewarm, a home that was built on a lukewarm foundation, a lukewarm Christianity. Um, My mom became pregnant with me before they were married. um, So they were married um, because she was pregnant, essentially. Um, so from the beginning, the foundation had cracks in it, right? Um, and we did go to church. My parents knew the Lord. Um, I knew all the Jesus nursery, you know, rhymes and songs and um, was very involved in church. Um, but the best way I could describe it is my parents were two unhealed people um, that had a lot of um, hurts mm. and had never really dealt with them. So they kind of just brought them together. Um, yeah, they both lost their parents at a really young age. So just a lot there um, that the enemy was, was using to separate, divide. Yeah. And I think if we're honest, a lot of us have the same themes that run through our own story. There has been loss and divorce and heartache and anxiety, seasons of wandering. 
lukewarm Christianity is something that really resonates with me because I've been there. In fact, I wasn't raised in the church. So early on in my journey of being a Christian, I was still not 100% sold out for Jesus. It was, I was kind of half in, I was kind of half out. I fit it in when it was convenient. And Mm -hmm. things like church and Bible study at that point in my life, they were still optional. But I learned a lot in that season. And I'm grateful for how God faithfully walked alongside me during my wandering when we talk about heartache from our childhood or brokenness, you know, the moral of the story is that God never leaves us or forsakes us. It's the parable of the lost son in Luke 15 and the parable of the lost sheep in Matthew 18, where God leaves the 99 to go after the one that wandered away. Y'all, God never stops chasing and seeking after us. And I just feel like there's somebody listening that needed to hear that today. So let's continue on with our story. Cassia, tell our listeners what your dad said when you were born, because I know that that had a huge, like a profound impact on you growing up. Yeah. So my dad uh, recently uh, wrote me a letter and he's told me this story before, but just kind of having it on paper was really impactful. Um, It says, Cassia, when you were born, I held you in my arms. I lifted you up and in front of everyone present, I said, here she is, Lord. I will raise her, but she's yours. I failed in my part, but there are reasons for that. But God keeps his promises and he honored and still is honoring my heart's desire for that day and today. You are his. Mm. Uh, Y'all, the first time I heard that, I literally cried because the faith of Cassia's dad turning her life over to the Lord literally on day one is so powerful And his faith really early on had an impact on Cassia's life, probably without her even knowing it because she was so young, it laid a foundation for her. So Cassia, talk a little bit about what it was like when things kind of changed and your dad went to prison and how that impacted your life growing up. Yeah, so um, when I was about five or six and I... just a little backstory. Um, my dad had accepted Christ when he was 12 years old, but the best way in his words, he would describe it is that he was never fully surrendered to Christ. So he was living in a state of what he would consider rebellion. Um, so when I was about five, six, my dad, um, walked away from the Lord, walked away from the family life, um, was using drugs and, In 1998, he was arrested. This was December of 1998. He was arrested. And then in 1999, he was actually sentenced. And that's when he went to prison. Um, That was a very uh, confusing time for me. Um, We had lost our family home. Um, Just a lot changed. We moved into a tiny apartment. Obviously, my mom was now... Uh, a single parent uh, with two kids. Like I said, I had an older brother, so she was doing everything by herself. Um, And I was just, I I didn't under, I could not fully understand what that meant. I didn't know what prison was. You know, I was seven, newly eight years old at the time. Um, I just knew obviously like my dad was gone. Something was, a huge part of my life was missing and my world had just done a total 180 Um, so they ended up divorcing. Obviously he was sentenced to prison. Um, I'm not sure exactly how long he was sentenced for. I want to say it was around 10 years. Um, 
they got divorced. And then a year after that, um, in the summer of 2000 is when my mom and I actually moved to Ohio and my older brother stayed in Florida. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, one of my favorite things about just being an adult and kind of growing up and maturing is processing the stories of our childhood. It's really powerful to be able to look back and point our finger at a few hard things that might have led to other hard things or decisions that we made when we were growing up. But don't miss this. Processing the hard parts of life with a trusted Christian counselor is one of the very few things that we have control over. In fact, I would even go as far as saying that counseling is necessary for our healing. These counselors have literally been chosen by God to help us heal from the trauma and betrayals that have been a part of our lives. And I really enjoyed my season of counseling because by walking authentically inside of my own story, I'm able to not only point out the hard parts that really shaped me, but more importantly, I can point to a loving and a faithful God that was working in the midst of the chaos. And there's a lot of healing power in that. In fact, without taking the steps to heal, we will continue to carry the pain and the responsibility of other people's choices with us in a way that will lead to unhealthy behaviors and lifestyles. But when we surrender to God and his plan, we're making a choice that will literally change the trajectory of our lives because God takes all of it. He takes the brokenness and the pain and the shame and he redeems it and uses it for good. And I'm going to add a little side note about Cassia's dad. There are not a lot of men that I have met in my adult life that are more sold out for the Lord than he is. So as you're hearing this story of heartbreak and you know, wandering in the wilderness and being far from God, the man that he is today and the impact that he's had on Cassia's life and the way that she is living her life now, like I can't even really put that to words. So let's get back on track. I just had to say that because I just love him. Cassia, talk about your own journey of like getting clean and falling in love with Jesus and how those two things are a part of your story. Yeah, so once we moved to Ohio, um, my faith life, what I would say is it kind of came to a pause. Um, Church was no longer uh, a weekly thing. Um, Bibles weren't being read. My exposure exposure to Jesus um, was more of a holiday thing. I would say Easter, Christmas, the, the big holidays. Um, my mom had her own things she was going through. Um, like I said, she just became a single mom going through a divorce. Her life looked totally different than she probably had imagined it for herself. Um, she was working so hard. Um, love my mom dearly. I got my strong work ethic from her. You know, I got so many great, um, qualities from her just watching her worked so hard to do everything for me while my dad was in prison. Um, but because of that and maybe in her busyness and all the pain she was going through, like I said, church was just not a priority any longer. Um, so 
the only exposure I was getting to church was when I would go to Florida, my aunt, my dad's sister would fly me down and I would stay with her. We'd go visit my dad and she introduced me to praise and worship music mm-hmm. and um, shout out to my aunts because they gave me my love of worship. Just all the old, you know, 90s, early 2000s worship music. I definitely got the love of that from them. Um, so at home, um, all I knew is that I was broken. I felt abandoned. I was hurt. I was lonely. Like I said, my brother stayed in Florida. So um, it was almost like I became an only child. And it was just so isolating being so far away from all of my family. Um, I actually had ear surgery when I was about 13. It was in between eighth and ninth grade. And that was the first time I was prescribed pain pills after the surgery. And I just instantly knew, uh, taking those pills, I felt different. I had an escape from my pain. I liked the numbness. I liked how I felt. And I could see today, looking back, how the enemy was using Mm -hmm. that generational curse. Oh, your dad's a drug addict? Well, now you're going to be one too. Mm -hmm. And... Of course, I didn't know it at the time. I was so young, but that was the beginning of my addiction. Um, I was in active addiction from, I would say, that point, 14 to 21 years old. Uh, You name it, I pretty much did it. I hung out with different crowds, put myself in dangerous positions, um, was in total rebellion, did not listen to anything my mom had to say, did what I wanted, said what I wanted, hung out with who I wanted. I had no rules, um, was absolutely acting out, uh, what I was going through because I didn't have anyone there telling me, you know, you're running from God. This is what you're doing. I I didn't know that at the time. I just thought Mm -hmm. I was a teenager having fun. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, my senior year of high school was kind of the, peak of my addiction, the worst of it, I would say that is when I found heroin. And um, I only used heroin from ages 18 to 21. Um, At the time, I had a full time job, I lived in a little one bedroom apartment by myself, I thought, you know, life was great. I was independent. And um, I was with someone at the time he was in rehab. And I was alone in my apartment, and um, at the time, fentanyl had just kind of come onto the scene and wasn't really being talked about, but um, I'm not sure what I used, um, but I know that it affected me that night more than it had ever had. So I'm sitting at a high-top table in my kitchen in my dining room, And I'm what I would explain as coming in and out of consciousness. Um, I don't know if you could call it an overdose. I'm not a a medical expert, but I know I was having an out-of-body experience. Um, I just remember feeling like I could hear the audible voice of God and felt something like I'd never felt, but that it wasn't me. It was somebody else he was speaking to. Like I was just a third party witnessing what was happening. 
Um, and I remember hearing, you're going to die. If this is the path that you continue down, if this is what you choose to do, if you don't turn around and run and choose something different and surrender your life, you are going to die. And I uh, came to and was so impacted by what whatever I had experienced at the time I had no I did not think oh this was the Holy Spirit you know my spiritual knowledge and uh, exposure was just not there I was a spiritual infant right so at the time I didn't realize that was the Holy Spirit but I knew that it had impacted me so I took whatever I had I flushed it down the toilet I never used again that was April 10th 2012 so um, that was over 11 years ago, and I, I vowed right then and there that I would never touch drugs again in my life. Mm. Oh my gosh, that's so powerful. Y'all, that's what I call a God encounter. I love this part of Cassia's story so much because she has never been a victim of her circumstances. She recognizes it for what it is. Sin is sin, and while some sin has greater consequences, God uses it all, and he makes it all good. As a wife of a a recovered addict myself, I relate to Cassia's story and just how God had his arms of protection all over her life because I feel the same way about my husband and his journey. And I know that there's someone listening who just needs to hear this. Y'all, there is hope on the other side of addiction. There is no drug or alcohol or any amount of money or shopping spree or pornography or idol, anything of this world that can fill the hole that only Jesus can. Because for a lot of us, the hole can only be filled by God. It's a God-sized hole. And he's there and he's waiting with open arms. So if you're listening to this and you think you might be ready to take your next step, reach out to a recovery facility or to a church or a friend If you're in the greater Columbus area, I've included the link to a drug and alcohol recovery facility that my husband and I own, and I personally know that there are people waiting on the other side of that phone call to love and to help you take your next best step. But don't wait, because God wants to do a healing work in you now. Okay, so moving forward in your story, Cassia, just tell us a little bit about becoming a mom and what that looked like. Yeah, so um, one thing I just wanted to say, although I did... uh, get clean and I found freedom from addiction in 2012, I will say that I was still uh, living in sin. I was still a lukewarm Christian. Um, uh, About a year after I got clean, I found out I was pregnant. Um, I'm not married. So again, you can see how the enemy is kind of repeating those generational curses. What my parents had done, I was just following in their footsteps. Um, I, we chose to get married. A few months later, I became a mom. Uh, I truly believe and have always said that she was God's gift to me um, for getting clean. Truly the best thing that has ever happened in my life and really set my path on the trajectory that it's still on today was me becoming a mother. Um, a year after she was born, uh, I came home from work one day and my then husband, uh, basically just said, I'm leaving. And this was two days after Christmas. 
my dad was arrested right before Christmas. Um, so just, there was just so much at that time that I felt like I was just reliving my parents' story. Here I am, a single mom, going through a broken marriage, a failed marriage, feeling like a total failure. There was so much shame and guilt and embarrassment and and questioning God. Why, God, why is this happening to me? But at the same time, on the other hand, through all of that, I had this overwhelming sense of you're going to be okay. Mm. It's going to be okay. I didn't know it then. But him walking out, and this is a really bold statement, but him walking out and us going through what we went through and me ultimately filing for divorce was honestly the best thing that could have happened for my life. Um, It was in my season of single parenthood that I met somebody. She knew my story. She gave me the invitation to Cyprus. I immediately started tending every week. Um, That was back when they did Sunday night services and Sunday was actually my only day off work. So I would work Monday through Saturday and then Sunday was my only day off and I would go to the 6 p.m. service on Sunday night. Uh, My daughter would go to, you know, the nursery and it was just such a time of solitude with God for me. That was when a fire was lit in me. I would say that is when I was born again. Um, and well, and especially six months after that, I was baptized. Um, and just from there, um, I started slowly taking steps towards Jesus. I started slowly uh, relinquishing control of this, mm-hmm. relinquishing control of that, realizing that the closer I got to him, the more I was willing to give and the more surrendered I could live. Um And I just, I want to really point out to like how powerful, um, that invitation is. Mm. Um, I don't want anybody to ever think like, oh, inviting people is, it's just not, you know, I don't have anybody to invite. Like without that invitation, I mean, I don't know where I would be today. Um, she saw a need in me. She knew who Jesus was. I wasn't really there yet. And she thought, I think this girl could benefit from you know a relationship with Jesus Mm. and it worked I mean seriously just from that one invitation um yeah like I said that fire was letting me especially once I was baptized I just knew like there's no going back you know like I'm living my life for Jesus yeah oh it's so powerful I know your story and I'm just sitting here in awe of everything that God has done (laughs) okay so talk a little bit about you and Aaron so like how did God bring the two of you together and what has that journey looked like and meant to you so um right when I started attending uh Cyprus I also started attending Celebrate Recovery um which is how Brittany and I met and um Aaron had, I had been attending Celebrate Recovery for about, I want to say a year before Aaron had come. Um, I knew he was a newcomer right away. You know, you always know the new person. <laughs> and um, we didn't really interact. We, uh, from what he's told me, he also <laughs> noticed me. You know, we noticed each other, but it wasn't like we were both focused on ourselves 
on our own journey journeys. Um, Aaron had just gotten clean like two days before he came to CR. So he was like going through some stuff. Um, it was about two months later that we bonded over whatever dessert they were serving, which is <laughs> so funny. And if you know us, that makes total sense because we both have the biggest sweet tooth. <laughs> so that was our first little 10 second conversation. And then one day, uh, one of the male leaders was uh, telling us, you know, this is who's going to do this reading tonight. This is who's going to read the prayer. And he said, um, Cassia and Aaron come up on stage. And at this point, I had no idea what his name was. I just knew he was the new guy. And I'm looking around and I think I even said to the girl sitting next to me, who's Aaron? And um, (laughs) we walk up on stage. I realize, oh, okay, Aaron's the new guy. Got it. And um, this is the really cool part. The exact places where we stood on that stage Mm -hmm. that day, I didn't know it, but God knew. Those were the exact same places that we would stand when he proposed to me. Mm-hmm. and the exact same places where we would get married uh, in the chapel. So uh, standing on that stage that first day, though, next to him, we're reading through the things or whatever, and I just, God said to me, that's him. That's that's going to be your husband. Um, and at this point in my life, um, being a single parent, I was in a season of... I had fully committed my heart and my life to the Lord. I said, whatever plan you have for me, I fully submit. Um, Like I said, there was a lot of shame and guilt in being a young mom, divorced. And I was still not making the best decisions um, in dating and just doing things that I knew I shouldn't be doing. And so I just came to a point where I said, you know what, I am only... My heart is only for Christ. Mm. I am going to fall in love with Jesus. I am his and only his until he says otherwise. I don't care if it's a week, a month, 10 years, whatever that looked like. I just knew that I was only going to focus on my walk with Christ until he said otherwise. Mm. So when I had made that decision, that was before I even knew who Aaron was, probably at least six months before we had been on that stage. And then uh, from there, you know, months go by, we're just kind of having conversations. And, um, you know, we ended up dating, um, got engaged, got married in April of 2018. So we've been married a little over five years now. And um, just the, the difference in my life now, my marriage with him, and the foundation being so rock solid and knowing that our foundation is Christ first and foremost. It was from day one and it will be, you know, forever. Um, what a difference how God just totally redeemed mm. my prior m- marriage um, that had no biblical foundation. And um, he truly gave me the exact opposite of that, what I needed, what I was longing for, not only for myself, but for Alana, um, for our children to grow up in a Christian home, to know the Lord, to love the Lord, to, you know, our house, our, that's our firm foundation, right? Um, just seeing 
the former life and my life now, I, I mean, I'm truly amazed every day. Um, I'm just so grateful. And uh, even on my hardest day, I can I can look around and just say, wow, I'm so blessed. Um, it doesn't matter, you know, what I did, what I came from. Um, I was a drug addict. I was a, you know, I came from a broken marriage, a divorce, all these labels. Um, mm. None of that matters. Um, I'm born again. I'm loved. I'm redeemed. I'm, I was created by God, the God of the universe. You know, he knew. Mm. He knew my story. He knew that this was going to be how it would end. He knew I was going to go through all these things because I was running from God. I had to get to a point where he broke me down so that my only choice was just to say, okay, Lord, I surrender. Mm. I cannot do this anymore. I have tried my own way. I have walked my own path. Um, I clearly don't know what I'm doing, so I'm just going to trust you. Mm. I'm going to put my faith in you and your will be done. Mm. Amen. <laughs> what is it your dad always says? It's from the book of Job, right? Yes, yep. My latter will be greater than my former. I've heard that, I mean, uh, one thing I wanted to say, um, when he was in prison, I, I really wanted to make this point because if you have someone in your life and you don't have the, you're not fortunate enough to be right down the road from them. Please don't underestimate the power of prayer and just being a positive influence for Christ in their life. My dad was in Florida, in prison. I was in Ohio and we would do Bible studies. Um, he would send me letters and he would say, read this scripture and answer these questions and then mail it back to me. Or we would talk every weekend um, on the phone. He'd call and we that's all we would talk about. Did you get my letter? What did you think about this scripture? What did you think about this? So even though he wasn't in my home, we weren't, I wasn't being raised by him, just his influence. I just think that's so powerful and never forget that the power of prayer and your influence matters um, and never stop sharing the gospel with those who need it. My dad knew I needed it. My dad knew I didn't have it. Mm. And um, so, yeah, that's something I've been hearing for a long time. Let your mm. latter be greater than your former. And he's living it now and I'm living it now. And uh, praise God that our latter is greater than our former. Literally all of God's people said amen. <laughs> yes. Yes. The first time I heard that, I didn't even know it was from the Bible. I thought it was just something Cassia's dad came up with. And I'm like, that is so powerful. Like, we should write that down. And then she was like, I think it's in the book of Job. And I was like, oh. <laughs> I thought it was just in, in your dad's book. Uh, but one of the things that I love is... The fact that Cassia's decision to surrender to God and give him control is what actually changed her life. Like, I hope that's what y'all are hearing today because there is so much peace and joy found in watching God's plan unfold instead of trying to micromanage every little detail of our stories. In fact, it doesn't even really matter how much we plan or prepare. 
I know all the type A personalities are hearing this and they're like, Brittany's wrong. She's got it wrong. But it doesn't matter what we put on our calendar or which direction we think we're going because ultimately it's God's plan that's going to unfold in our lives. And when we surrender, we aren't caught off guard. We don't have unmet expectations because because God is in the driver's seat and he's there to lead the way for us. We just have to give him the keys to do so. You know, the theme that is woven through this entire story is that God is working in the background on our behalf and deciding to have a heart for Jesus and to do life with him in an intimate way is the first step. And that first step is what gives God the opportunity to work in our lives in a powerful way. Sometimes it takes getting to the end of our own strength to allow God to rebuild us. For Cassia, she reached the end of trying on her own. And God was breaking down the hard parts of her life so that he could rebuild it for his glory. But it's a process of daily submission of dying to ourselves and trusting that the God of the universe is fully capable. He is present and he's able to do what's best for us, even if that looks different than what we imagined. In fact, a long time ago, I had to let go of the idea that my life was supposed to look a certain way. There have just been enough hard things thrown in my direction that reminded me that not only do I not have control, I don't need to have control because God is always going to be working in the background. He has gone before me and before Cassia and he's gone before everybody listening today. He goes into tomorrow and he paves a way. And his path and his ways will always be greater than anything that we can comprehend or imagine. When we submit to the will of God, we're creating an opportunity for God to use us for the kingdom. And there is truly no greater gift than that. Okay, as we wrap up our time together here today, Cassia, is there anything else you want our listeners to hear? Um, I just wanted to share one more verse. Um, John eight thirty six: Who the Son sets free is free indeed. There is so much power in that. Mm. Um, don't let the enemy ever tell you, no, you're not free. You're still the same person you used to be. Walk in that freedom. Walk in your relationship with Jesus daily. Walk out your salvation. Mm. Um, there's no greater decision you will ever make in your life than to just walk with Christ. He's mm. your best friend. He loves you more than anyone he loves you just the same as the person who's never sinned, which we've all sinned, but the person who, you know, maybe has lived a, a better life than you, if you will. He loves us all the exact same, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done. Um, there's so much hope in that. Don't ever lose sight of that. You're free in Jesus. Once you make that decision, that's it. Don't let the enemy ever tell you that you are who you used to be. Mm. It's so good. I love it. Cassia, you know I'm so proud of the work that you've done and just the work that you continue to do every day, watching you as a mom and as a wife and just getting to walk alongside you in friendship is one of the greatest gifts that God has ever given me. So thank you for sharing your heart and your story today. You are literally a living, breathing testimony of someone who, with the watchful eye of the Lord, is living her life in a way that glorifies God. Thank you for being here. I love you so much. Thank you so much for having me. You are one of my favorite people, and it's been an honor, and I'm so proud of you. Mm. I'm praying for y'all, and I'll see you next week.